Welcome to Christian Fellowship Ministries. We are glad you joined us. This sermon series challenges us to check ourselves from the inside out. Listen as Pastor Lucas O'Neill explains. As I was preparing this message, I, I just thought of uh, how, how we don't like to live by rules. Um, we, we just don't, we don't like rules. You know, we don't typically enjoy them. If we enjoyed rules and we liked living by rules, we wouldn't be all, you know, so ticked off when they put those photo-enforced red lights, you know, uh, that we're all complaining about and wanting them to take them down. And it's like, well, if we actually stopped at the red light, uh, we, we maybe wouldn't have a problem with it. <laughs> I don't know, but it's, the, it's these rules, you know. It's, uh, we, we uh, especially in the last couple of generations, we tend to sort of buck against the ideas uh, the idea of rules, and it's all just more about tolerance and just letting things, letting things go. But I mean, when, when rules, when living by rules seeps into the church, isn't that how we get legalism? I mean, you know, some of us grew up with parents that maybe not literally, but almost literally would, would put on white gloves and just kind of constantly dust the shelf of your life to see if there's any kind of speck. And any time there was any kind of speck, they would tell you how the Bible says no, the Bible says this, the Bible tells you to do that, the Bible says don't do that. And then we just go, oh, you know, is that what Christianity is supposed to be about? And it turns into legalism. I remember at my previous church, one girl approached me, this lady approached me, and she said, that's what we just couldn't stand about our, our mother generation, is everything was, go to prayer meeting on time. And if you're not at prayer meeting at 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, every weekday, you know, you're less spiritual. You need to date this kind of person. You need to go to church, at, you know, this kind of church. And you need to read the Bible this many times a day. And you need to memorize this many verses of Scripture. And, and when you didn't do it, it was, it was a big problem. And so they, they buck against that and they go, oh, just offload this legalism. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what happens in church when it's all about rules and everything is about do's and everything is about don'ts? We say, man, it's almost like we're living in the Old Testament, you know, like we're living under the law. Didn't Jesus free us from that? I mean, wasn't that Jesus' problem with the Pharisees? You know who the Pharisees were? These guys that wore all the religious robes and they sat around all day and studied verses, studied scripture. And part of why they studied scripture is to just put the thumb down on people who didn't obey it. I mean, they called Jesus out a few times on stuff that they thought it wasn't, but they thought he was compromising on the law and then he had to show them how he wasn't. But wasn't that Jesus' problem with the Pharisees? Is that it was all about keeping the law. It was all about legalism. It was all about doing and all about don't do. That wasn't Jesus' problem with the Pharisees. In fact, Jesus never said, it's not about do's and don'ts, guys. It's just the thought that counts. No, Jesus never said that. In fact, Jesus said, you guys have to keep the law better than the Pharisees. And if you don't, you won't be in heaven. Did you know Jesus said that? You need to keep the law better than the Pharisees. And if you don't, you won't be in heaven. He says that in Matthew 5. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 5. We're right in the beginning, toward the beginning of a sermon that we, we typically call Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was on this mountainside preaching this very long sermon. Okay, if I preached a sermon this long, we'd be here till Good Friday, probably. I mean, this was, 
What else did they have to do? There was no go, rush home to you know, watch the game. I mean, you know, but, and then Jesus was this masterful teacher where if he taught for three days straight, you'd listen. And this is his masterpiece sermon. It goes from Matthew 5 all the way to Matthew 7. And he started out talking about the Beatitudes. This is, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted but still live the right way. Even though you're persecuted, you still live the right way. Even though everything is against the kingdom, everything is against living for Christ, you still live the right way. And he says, now I want to talk to you about how to live the right way. And instead of saying, do away with the laws, guys. Just forget the rules. That never worked. I mean, that's how you and I feel, right? We go look through the Old Testament. And Moses, what did Moses do as soon as he came down with those tablets? <laughs> I don't know if this is how he walked. But imagine walking downhill with tablets, you know. Uh, what did he do as soon as he, as soon as he came down with those tablets? What did he do with those tablets? He broke them. He smashed them. Why? What was he angry about? They were all breaking the law already. He's like, these are freshly, you can still smell God's fingerprint on them, you know. I don't know if you could smell God's fingerprint. I don't know. I'm making stuff up here, guys, okay? Help me out. And then he, brought, he came down with them. His first thing he saw was them breaking the law. And so he said, oh, you're going to break the law? So he broke them. And then they had to make new tablets, you know? I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, it's like God has all these laws and all these rules, and all they do is break them. And then our brand of Christianity many times is like, see, that's the problem. It's all about law. It's all about do's and don'ts. Let's move away from that and move to a place where it's not about do's and don'ts. But it's about freedom. But Jesus never made that move, and he doesn't approve of that move. Look what he says after uh, opening and talking about how we should live appropriately as disciples. Verse 17. Well, don't think, don't think that I have come to abolish the law. You know, I didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In other words... It's almost like if you have a counter with all these empty jars, all these empty glasses, and we're saying, we've got to get rid of all these glasses. We've got to get rid. This is the problem. It's all this clutter. Oh, this is cluttering our kitchen. This is cluttering our house. It's just dishes everywhere. All these empty dishes that we're not using. Just get rid of them. That's the problem. And Jesus is going, no, no, that's not the problem. Use them. I've come to show you how to use them. I've come to show you how to fill them. And then Jesus comes and starts filling those dishes and teaches us how to use them. So our problem is we don't know what to do with it. And so we go, ah, legalistic, legalism, you know, and then we just want to do away with the whole thing. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. On the contrary, that needs to be there. And I've come to fill that. So if we do away with do's and don'ts, if we move away from rules, and we're moving away from what Jesus said Christianity is. We're moving away from what Christianity is really about. It is about do's and don'ts. Now, I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking. Like, wait a minute. This doesn't, this doesn't sound right to me. I thought it's not about do's and don'ts. It's just about a relationship. Well, what relationship are you engaged in that doesn't have any rules? Name one. Oh, my spouse and I, we don't have any rules. We don't celebrate Valentine's Day. We don't recognize each other on birthdays. We don't care. We don't care because we don't do rules. Okay, but then you leave the, tooth, the toothpaste out. You squeeze it from the wrong side. The toilet paper, you put it in upside down. 
you parked the car on the wrong side of the garage. You forgot to do that part of the chore that you're supposed to do. You leave your dishes out and expect your spouse to do it. You're going to run into some problems. There may be unspoken rules, but there's rules. There's ground rules. Try to raise kids with no rules. Maybe some of you are trying to raise kids with no rules. I hope you're seeing how that's not working out. <laughs> There's got to be rules. So Jesus is saying, you know, it, you can't just say, it's not about rules, it's about a relationship. No, relationships are about rules. And so rules have to be involved. Did God waste his breath in 36 books of the Old Testament just to, in the New Testament, say, never mind, something different here, guys? No. The Old Testament is very relevant. All those laws, the ones that you know, Moses came down the mountain, and all the little ones, you know, they all count. They're all written by God. They're all breathed, inspired by God, written down by prophets to hand down to us. Not just to hand down to a few generations. And when Jesus came, he goes, never mind. No, very relevant. Very relevant. Do's and don'ts count in the Christian life. He says, I didn't come... I didn't come to abolish him. And you could tell he's reacting against something, right? Don't, don't, think I came here to, don't think I came here to abolish the law. Obviously, people were already interpreting Jesus as, oh, I get it. He's trashing the law. I mean, he, keeps, he trashes the Pharisees, and that's all they do all day. They're like the law police. They're always walking around like, oh, you didn't do, oh, you did do, oh, do that. I mean, isn't that, you know, when we, when we dislike, oh, the Catholic Church... It's all about do's and don'ts and blah, blah, blah. I'm not so sure Jesus would really have a problem with the do's and don'ts. Because when I read it here, he's like, guys, I didn't, I didn't abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to make it more meaningful. I came to make it more full. I didn't come to abolish them, the law or the prophet. So, I mean, some of you, I've explained this to you in person many times, that the law talks about the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first five books was called the Torah. When they say the law, capital L, that's what they're talking about. And Jesus is saying, just in case you think I'm only talking about the first five books, no, no, I'm talking about all of them. So he says the prophets. It's all of them, all the whole Old Testament. At this point when he was saying this, there was no New Testament written, right? So what is he saying? The Bible. The Bible counts. When the Bible says do and the Bible says don't, that counts, guys. That counts. It's not about legalism. It's about God is making rules, and those rules count. He doesn't make them arbitrarily. And Jesus said, I didn't come, I didn't come to do away with them. I came to reinforce them. I came to make them more meaningful. I came to show you exactly what they're supposed to be. And then verse 18. For truly I say to you, not that other things he says isn't true, but it's like an emphasis, you know, like, listen. Listen, I know this strikes you as not true, but it's true. Truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. He's saying everything that was written down, everything that was written down. Now, that's been translated different ways, a jot and a tittle, an iota and a dot. It's like uh, when we say cross your eyes, cross your, cross your eyes and dot your T's. That'd be really good. You'd get a good grade on your paper if you crossed your eyes and dotted your T's. So you, you cross your T's and dot your I's. Mind your P's and Q's. What does that mean? That's the same thing he's saying. Even the little details. Uh, in Hebrew, they would write certain letters. And just a, little, just a little swivel of the letter 
on the, the, just a little change in the font with a turn of the pen would change it to a completely different letter. I mean, it was a little bit more of an archaic form of, of writing than we do. Now we have like 18,000 fonts and it's all English, right? You write a paper and you click font and you're like, you know. Oh, back then there was no different fonts. You pretty much, you had to nail it. Because if you didn't nail it, you got a different word. Just that little stem at the end of a, a D or something will change it. And so he's saying that, that the law isn't going to change. Even the little curvatures of the letters, that's, that's going to stay intact. Why? Because it, it has meaning. If you change it, the meaning changes. And it's not going to change. And we're not going to do away with it until heaven and earth pass away. Now you read into the New Testament and the prophecy, especially apocalyptic literature, there will come a time when earth will pass away, guys. There will time. I'm not saying let's not be green. Let's not protect the earth. I'm not saying, you know, let's all pollute as much as possible. We care for the earth because God created it. But it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go up in flames and something new is going to be created in its place. Amen? I mean, that's, that's what the New Testament teaches us. But he's saying, until that point, this is very much relevant. There will be a time where it won't be relevant in the same way. It'll be more of like, remember when we lived according to those do's and don'ts? But we'll be perfect with Christ and it won't be about do's and don'ts at all. But until then, he's saying, until then. Now, has the earth passed away yet since Jesus said this? No. So that means this still applies. And what this says is that every jot, every tittle of the Old Testament, and of course the New, still applies, guys. It applies to our lives. It counts. The do's and don'ts that God laid out throughout the Bible matter. And the Christian life is concerned with rules. And he says, I've come to fulfill them, verse 17. And he says, they won't pass away until all is accomplished. And so, Jesus' mission, in part, was to accomplish this law. To fulfill the law. That was part of what Jesus came to do. He came to accomplish it. And it's not going to be done until it's accomplished. Jesus' work isn't finished yet. That's why this earth is still here. Right? He came in a couple phases. One, he came to die, pay for our sins fix what's wrong with us, and then he comes again to fix the world. He came first as a lamb, later he comes as a conqueror, as a lion. He came first to bear stripes, then he comes to wield the sword. He came first to su submit and surrender and be broken, he comes later to break and shatter the nations. Those two phases have to happen. The first one happened, and soon we're going to celebrate that, right? Good Friday, Easter... The second one we're still waiting for. Until that's done, all this, all this has bearing on us, right? I've come to accomplish that, he's saying. And it's not accomplished yet. Now look at verse 19. He says, therefore, here's his application. Here's what you're supposed to walk away with, guys. Therefore, because this is true, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, all the commandments in the Bible... Whoever is kind of easy about some of the least of them and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, hold on, time out a second because if, you know, if I'm sitting there where you're sitting, and this is what I wrestled with all week, I kind of don't like that. There's like a grading system, isn't there? He's saying, now, now some of you are going to keep all the commandments. 
the little ones, the big ones, the medium ones, you're concerned with all of them. And you're going to be great in the kingdom. And then there's going to be some of you, you're in the kingdom, you're in heaven, you got your ticket. But you're only concerned with the big stuff. Oh, I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to worship any other God. If it's in the Ten Commandments, we're square. I, okay, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to lie. Well, maybe not big lies. Well, maybe what's a white lie? Well, I don't know. Maybe we don't even pass the Ten Commandments before we start saying some of them are small. So I thought, what did Jesus have in mind when he's thinking small commandments? You know, Obviously, there were big ones like honor your mother and father. And if you don't do this, you will be put to death. Wow, okay. So the typical tantrum that the kid throws at the mall, uh, you know, back then, we would be pulling stones out. You don't disrespect your parents. You don't talk back to your parents. Or you, you don't get to live in this community. Whoa, okay, I would put that, I don't know if I were you, but if I were, if I were living in Old Testament times and I were going to put like the top five rules in the house, that'd be one of them, just to protect my children's lives. Don't talk back, especially in public, because if you're caught talking back and you're unruly as a child, we're going to have a village meeting about this and it's going to be a big problem. But then there's other ones that, eh, you know, maybe they weren't as big. Maybe they weren't as big of a deal. One that came to mind is, uh, for those of you that own a home, you are to construct a parapet around the top of the house, around the roof of the house. Now, I wouldn't even know what a parapet was if I didn't work with my father-in-law doing masonry construction for what seemed like an eternity. Um, and I realized, wow, maybe this is what hell is like. Just mixing mortar for ex-Vietnam vets all day long. I don't know. Um, on top of those uh, Chicago rooftops, when you're walking on the roof and you get to the edge, it's not just a lip. There's a little brick wall like this. And that's, what we, that's all we did, is just repair those little brick, they call them parapets. It's so that you don't slip off the roof, I guess. It's a little wall. And in the Old Testament, there's a command. A command. Part of the law that says if you own a house, now they didn't have these funky roofs like we do, right? Flat tops. I said, if you own a house, the first thing you've got to do is get up on top and build a parapet, build a fence, build some kind of railing, some, some kind of guard. That was a law. That was one of those laws you cannot break. That was a law that if you broke it, you're, you're, you're in trouble. If someone caught you breaking it, some blood has to be spilt for it. Go to the sacrificial system, take some innocent animal, kill it, take it to the altar, blood spills everywhere, and God goes, okay, we're square. Because you didn't have a railing on your roof? That's kind of weird. Maybe that's a smaller law. You know, killing your neighbor, murdering your neighbor, yeah, that's a big deal. And then you have small stuff like the structures on top of your house. I mean, there's a ton of illustrations we could use and go in the Old Testament. Have any of you read through the Old Testament recent times and you start going, look at all these laws? I mean, it's like, you know, if your neighbor's, you know, dog bites your dog, then make sure that you take that dog and do this and make sure you do your property boundary lines like this. And if uh, somebody does something to somebody and then the other person is the nearest of kin, then you make sure. But if he doesn't have a nearest of kin, then you have to. And that's what makes it sometimes hard to get through the Old Testament, right? As you're reading all these what seem like insignificant laws, how to shave your beard, how to wear your robes. Etc., etc., etc. Women had it the hardest when, you know, every month 
uh, a certain something happens, and there was a whole set of laws about that. And the guys are like, I don't get it, but get out. And they'll quarantine the women for however long, you know, and uh, do certain things with the sheets and burn them. And I don't know what they do. I mean, they went through a lot of sheets, I'm sure. All sets of rules for all kinds of things. I mean, name it, think about it. God was, here's a community. Here are the things that are going to happen. There's going to be ha- things happening with their pets. There's going to be things happening with them physiologically. There's going to be things happening within the house from neighbor to neighbor, from nation to nation. There's a whole set of laws about when people visit from other nations, how to greet them, how to host them, what to do with them. All sorts of laws. And then eventually people say, well, these are the big ones. These are the real big ones that really count. And then here's the ones that don't count so much. Jesus is saying... In the church, in the kingdom, there's going to be those that are only concerned with the big stuff. And for those of you that are only concerned with the big stuff, you're going to be the least in the kingdom. And the reason why this was hard for me to wrestle with is because I started realizing this is true throughout Scripture. Everyone's not going to be equal in heaven. Everyone's not going to have equal status in heaven. Everyone gets in the same way. Jesus died for you. That's it. But living in response to that death, some people go all for it. And some people are like, meh. I mean, I hate that. I hate that. But I look at it and it's there. Saying some of you are going to think the small stuff doesn't really matter. Guys, it matters. Because it doesn't pass away. I didn't come to just fulfill the big stuff. I came to fulfill all of it. So even the little things, even the things that you think are going to really concern us that much, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I'm not going to go... You know, beat up that guy that ticked me off. I'll just gossip about him on Facebook. That's not that big of a deal. He's saying, all right, well then you're going to be last in the kingdom. Because you compromise. And then people that go, no, not only is it wrong to beat the guy up, it's wrong to beat him up even in my fantasies. It's wrong to write something about him. It's wrong to come home and totally destroy him verbally to my wife. It's wrong to think about him in that way. Those are the ones that are going to be the greatest because they're, they're trying to keep all the rules, not just some of the rules. Now listen, this wasn't Jesus' main point, right? I kind of wish it would stop there. Right? And he says there's going to be big in the kingdom, the greatest in the kingdom, the least in the kingdom, all depending on what you do with the law. But listen, his main point, neither of them will get to heaven unless they keep the law better than the Pharisees. Now that's weird. Let's look at it. It's the last verse. Chapter 5. He says, verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness... Now, think of somebody in your life that really follows the Bible really well. They know the Bible really well. They attend church every Sunday. You know, maybe they, they, they're, they're the type that could teach Sunday school. If they had to write scripture from memory, they could start pumping stuff out. These were the scribes and the Pharisees in his day. And he's saying, you have to be better than them. Now, some of us who are maybe least in the kingdom, here's the danger. We look at those who are great in the kingdom, the people that just don't compromise, the people that just, they're just, you know, we kind of get even mad. 
What are you, holier than thou? What are you, everything's always about God all the time. You spiritualize cooking, you spiritualize watching TV, you spiritualize everything, how to drive. I mean, everything is always God, Jesus, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Oh my goodness, can I just get a time out? They're always keeping it, they're always doing it, they're always doing it. He's saying, okay, back then in their day, the people who they perceived to be keeping the law all the time, talking about the law all the time, scribes who wrote the law out for a living, memorized it for a living, you have, your righteousness has to be better than theirs. Or you won't even enter the kingdom. You're not the least. You're not even in. You won't enter the kingdom. So what Jesus is saying is, if you, if you for you, righteousness doesn't involve rules, doesn't involve do's and don'ts. It's just some sort of foggy idea of, I think God is smiling. I think in general God is smiling with the way I live. But you're not doing better than the Pharisees, better than the law keepers. You're not in. So now it sounds like we're back to a law-based salvation, doesn't it? Sounds like he's saying, you, you have to keep up with the law better than the Pharisees, otherwise you're not in. Therefore, keeping up the law is how you get into heaven. You have to do the law so you can get into heaven. And so if you stand before God and he says, why should I let you in? You have to pull out a list and be like, well... I didn't keep everything perfectly, but man, I really kept a lot. Unless you want to lie and say, I kept it perfectly and see if that works. And then go, okay, wait, wait, wait. You know, you have to keep a log. Wow, I mean, on this day I did this, but look, on the next day, look at all these things I did and all these things I didn't do. Now, you guys know I don't believe that because I preach against that all the time. And we know that's not true because you go to other scriptures and it talks about it's by grace. It's not by works, because if it were by works, you'd be able to boast. That's what Paul was trying to explain to the Ephesians. You can't boast before God. None of us can come before God and be like, I'm here because I did it. None of us can do that, because we can't. Isaiah tells us all our works are like filthy rags, right? We're not good enough. So what Jesus is saying sounds like it's impossible to get in. And he'd be right. It is impossible for us to get in, isn't it? Isn't it impossible for us to get ourselves in? To do enough? It's not possible. In another portion of scripture, the same ask, question is asked. It's like, if you don't live like this, you're not going to get in. And then the disciples are like, whoa, that sounds impossible. Jesus goes, it is. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. The only way our righteousness can exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees is if God does a change in us. And it's a change that the Pharisees never experienced. You know what Jesus' problem with the Pharisees was? It was not that they kept the law. You will not find one verse in Scripture where Jesus goes, Hey, you're following the law. Stop it. Never. Never did Jesus have a problem with anybody doing what the Bible says to do or not doing what the Bible says not to do. What was Jesus' problem with the Pharisees? Why did they fight so much? What were all the arguments about? It's because that's all it was for them. All it was for them was following rules. All it was was accomplishing the do's and not accomplishing the don'ts. All it was was, here's a set of rules, and if we live like this, we're okay. And then when they looked at other people not doing the rules, they would take those rules and smack them over the head with it. Hey, rules, hey! That's what legalism is. Legalism is not following rules. Legalism is using those rules to abuse people and not understanding why the rules are there. 
That's why all those cups on your counter are empty until Jesus comes and fills them and shows you why those are there. You know why in the Old Testament God said put a parapet around the top of your house? Because if you didn't and you have your get-together up there and somebody trips, they die. And you didn't look out for your neighbor. I have a friend who's a pastor and uh, a bunch of us got in his car and he puts a seatbelt on. Well, if he doesn't, it starts beeping. You know, we put this stuff in our cars now where it's just annoying you got to put it in. Um, we all get in the car, and I put my belt on, habit. Somebody else doesn't put his belt on. He goes, hey, put your belt on. <laughs> all right, all right, the guy told him. But he didn't do it right away. He goes, no, I'm serious. This car's not moving, so you put your belt on. And I thought to myself, geez, he's a full-grown man. You know I mean? Let the guy, he puts his belt on, doesn't put his belt on. What's the big deal? Then I started thinking about it. I say, one, I think it's a new law where they've got to. (laughs) It's not just the driver, like, you're responsible for all the belts in the car. Okay. But I think it's a little bit more than that. If he got into an accident, he wants to know he did everything he could to ensure the safety of the people in his car. Now, are we doing it because the law says so? If you talk on the cell phone while you're doing your mascara... Or the knee underneath the wheel, the big wheels, you know? You might get a ticket for that, but is that really why you shouldn't do it? Or are you concerned for the safety of others? How would you feel if right when you were, oh, I think that looks just like the model I'm trying to, you crash into somebody, and a little kid gets killed? Would you ever do the mascara thing again? Would you ever talk on the cell phone Again, if it caused an accident and hurt somebody? No, I don't think so. I hope not. And you wouldn't be doing it because it says so on a piece of a sign that says it's, now it's the law. You'd be doing it because you're concerned for the lives of other people. What Jesus is trying to say is these rules were never to try to put some kind of bar so that you, you know, could try to match up to it. And if you match up to it, ah, you're in. The law was never a purpose. That was never the purpose of the law. In fact, Paul tells us the purpose of the law. The law was to show you how you can't. <laughs> is that crazy? Have you ever, I mean, it, Paul talks about this all over the New Testament. He's like, the purpose of the law, the reason why it was given, is to show you, you can't do it. And then come to God and go, God, I can't. I do these, but then I messed up those, and I paid attention to those, and then I messed up these, and I, ah, I can't. And he goes, you need the cross. All the law was trying to help us to point us to the cross. Now what Jesus is saying is, now if you accept the cross, now if you accept me as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit now lives in you, you don't just know about God, God indwells you. Like Mike was talking about, he doesn't just see us, he sees Christ in us. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When that change happens, now you can do the law. Not because you're told to, but because you love people, because you love God. Because God is inside of you and you're concerned about these things. Suddenly those laws become relevant because they matter. Now, not every Old Testament law still sticks. For instance, there's a ton of laws about keeping a kosher kitchen, right? Now, we break that at my house all the time. You'd easily catch me over there frying some pork chops or something and you go, Hey, hey, whoa, isn't that pork? You know, we'd have some serious issues. But then Acts 10, 
Peter has this vision and a sheet comes down with all this food that you know, they're not supposed to eat. And God says, eat it. And he goes, no, 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 I dare not. And God says, don't call unclean what I've made clean now. So in other words, God, is, God had lifted some things in the Old Testament. Um, if you're not born in the Jewish community, uh, there are certain things that maybe don't continue to today. But one thing that always continues is the purpose of the do's and the purpose of the don'ts. I mean, isn't that what we're always trying to explain to our kids? This is what kids don't get. When kids grow up in the house, everything's about rules. And they loathe the rules. There's too many of them. Why do you make up all these rules? You're just such a hard taskmaster. It's, it, 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 once I accomplish one thing, I have to do the other thing. And it's all these chores and it's never fair. I know you could finish that sentence. That's all they say all day long. All the kids, that's not fair, this isn't fair, that's not fair. It's all about rules and don'ts and do's and don'ts and it's too much. But eventually that child is going to grow up. I'm thinking of my son, let's say. He grows up, he hits a certain age. When I kick him out, I say, go be a man. And now he's got to be a bachelor. Now, I don't want, now, I'm not saying, I, I personally, I don't want my son to go from, oh, you want, it? you want me to make you breakfast? You want me to break your breakfast? Oh, you're going to get married now? Here you go. Now she'll make you breakfast. There's got to be manhood in there somewhere. And so I want him to go out on his own. Now, he's going to learn when he's got his own place. Maybe he's got a roommate. Maybe he doesn't. That if he doesn't do these chores, he can say, take all these chores and chuck them. I don't even care about them. Now, suddenly he's got a dirty house. Well, maybe some pests start creeping in because he's constantly leaving cereal out. And he's like, now growing up, I never had ants in the house. What's going on here? Then he starts learning the value of cleanliness. And he's not doing it because of rules. He's doing it because of why the rules are there. The rules don't count because they're arbitrary. The rules don't count because God says so. The rule, God says so. Because it matters. God says so because it, it affects your life. Those things that he says don't do. It's not God being a parent that's just stalking you all day. Don't do this and do that. It's for your benefit. And even for the ones that we don't quite understand. When the Bible calls us out on stuff. Even for the ones we don't quite understand. We come to the cross and we say, God, I don't understand all these things. Help me to see. Help me to see and help me to obey. Because I know that the rules matter. I know that the rules count. And so if we're going to be in the kingdom of heaven, if we're going to be citizens of the kingdom, we're going to be followers of Christ. We need to do what he says to do and not do what he says not to do. And we realize that our parents or whomever that we called legalistic, the problem wasn't the rules. The problem was maybe a lack of the spirit behind the rules. If all I ever give my kids is do, don't, shut up, do, don't, shut up. They're going to turn out to be messed up kids. And if once in a while I sit them down and say, listen, if you don't do this, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to be like this. Is that any good? Is that any good? No. Got to do it. We've got to do it. Now, I don't do that every time. I just don't have time. Sometimes I just, just do it. I do. But once in a while, you've got to get in there and explain why the rules exist. They exist for a reason. And it's the same thing with us and the Lord. Rules matter. And so we can't go through Scripture and just, ah, 
That's just legalism. A lot of times you're sitting in a sermon, you sit in a sermon and the Spirit is calling you out on something. You go to a small group and some application keeps coming up. And it's like, man, I've got to change that. Man, I've got to change that. Change it. If God is calling you out on it, he's not suggesting it. If you can defend it from the Bible and go, yeah, see, the Bible clearly says do that. Do it. This isn't isn't an era of Christianity where God suddenly doesn't care. The same things he flooded the earth for, he wants to flood the earth for now. The only reason why he doesn't is because he put a rainbow in the sky and promised not to. God still hates sin and still wants us to do everything we can to do away with it. To not engage in it and do the right thing. He so badly wants us to do that. He put his son on the cross to give us the power to be able to do it. And we have no excuse. And so what are those things that you laugh off? What are those things that when somebody calls you out on it, because it's a minor thing, it's not adultery, it's not murder, but it's like, (laughs) I know, I know, I got to work. It's a New Year's resolution every year and I never get it. Get it. It's not funny. I mean, to God, it's not funny. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Not a jot or a tittle. God didn't write some serious stuff and then some jokes. Did he write jokes? Is he saying, you can't murder people and then you kind of can't sleep around. But, you know, this is just sort of a suggestion. You know, don't, don't like cheat your neighbor. All of it. All of it. Some of us are only honest when it counts. What does that mean? Be honest all the time. I just had that discussion with my kids. You know, it was kind of like a, it wasn't a lie, but it was like, I'm just not going to say anything until you say something. Then maybe I'll fess up. I said, no, as soon as you do something like that, you need to come talk. That's a level of dishonesty. Now, some of you are like, oh, that's kind of strict. Well, I don't know. Do it something different in your house. But to me, if I see it as dishonest, I'm not going to not say anything because I'm like, well, it's not that dishonest. What is that? This is an acceptable level of dishonesty. God hates dishonesty. He doesn't hate certain levels of it. Do you see what Jesus is getting at? We want to move away from rules and just go into like a foggy sort of like, yeah, we just accept each other. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right? I'm not judging you. I'm just saying if if you know from Scripture that God clearly says it, God is the one judging you, not me. I'm judging you if I go up to you and say, you know what? You wear a lot of purple sweaters. You should wear white sweaters. Purple is too flamboyant. Well, where do you get that from? I don't know. That's what I grew up with. So do it. Well, that's judgmentalism. But if I say, hey, Frank, I notice you talk a lot with your secretary and it kind of gets flirty. I think you need to cut that out, man. Well, where do you get that from? Here, there, there. I mean, we're going to get into that in, 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 in Matthew 5 when Jesus talks about the nature of lust. It's right there. So that's not me judging you. I'm just saying, we both have a father. And the father's made rules. And it's not like I'm going and telling on you. I'm telling you to get that right with God. Because in your own brain, somehow you've been deceived that it doesn't count, it doesn't matter. And Christianity is not about rules. God just loves you. He does love you. That's why he made rules and wants you to follow them. I want to ask the worship team to come forward. And as we close in this song of worship, I think this song really encapsulates well what Jesus is driving at throughout this whole sermon. We're going to start looking at his examples. Jesus start making some tough applications, and in the next few weeks we're going to start looking at those. 
But his point is this. Listen, you can't live the Christian life from the outside in. That's the problem with the Pharisees. It's all about rules. There's nothing inside. They wash the outside of the cup. It's still dirty inside. They're like whitewashed tombs that look pretty on the outside, but inside it stinks of death. The transformation has to happen from the inside. But once the transformation happens from the inside, it takes an outward effect. Once you're transformed from the inside, you do start conforming to rules. You do start conforming to do's and don'ts. Once you start transforming from the inside, it changes the outside. But if you only make changes to the outside, you might wear a good mask at church. But God sees through it. Let's pray. Father, we want to come to you genuinely in sincerity. We want to come to you and just, uh, we, we know that you see all things. Lord, forgive us for the little things we hide in the closet or the things that we keep open, exposed, and we laugh it off because it's just not that big of a deal. But to you, it's a big deal. And I pray for those of us in here, Lord, who have been hurt and scarred from legalistic parents, legalistic church maybe that they grew up in, where all the rules and the do's and don'ts were applied in a way that showed no concern for the person. Father, we know you're not like that. You put those rules in place because you're very concerned for us and you want us to live rightly. Help us to live uh, as transformed people, Lord. Change us on the, in our hearts, Lord, in the interior, the deep interior of ourselves so that what we do outwardly will be affected by it and the world can see the difference in us. Uh, drive that home as we worship and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Christian Fellowship Church of Itasca, Illinois.